0: Thanks for dialing our way here on a Friday. It is a football Friday. TGIF, we made it to get you to the game weekend edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. And, oh, what a program we have for you today. Probably going to run over and get you into uh, coverage uh, with Philip Pilkington, a bridge show, if you will, leading you to Rose Coverage uh, tonight. They are at Southwest Onslow, and uh, we've got uh, coverage beginning at 6.50 tonight, game at 7. Done a few games there over the years at Southwest. Always uh, an exciting uh, environment. And Rose will go for the victory uh, there tonight and try to move to 3-1. and one. Uh, we, uh, We'll run down the high school slate here for you in just a second. Uh, right now, a uh, chance to tell you what we got on the show today. As Ben Byram is producing today's effort. We've got uh, coming up in just a little bit, next segment, in fact, Jay, Sonny, Sunhalter, and uh, we'll talk to the Sundog about uh, the Pirates and Monarchs this weekend. Jay will be on the call for ESPN+. Plus. Sonny worked uh, last weekend for the Worldwide Leader and will work in Greenville the next two weeks uh, for ESPN+, Plus, signed out of Bristol. Uh, we've got uh, our great friend, uh, analyst uh, for uh, college football uh, for us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh Excited to have a one-time ECU offensive coordinator, two-time uh, college head coach, New Mexico State and Kent State, Doug Martin. We'll uh, link up with us via Zoom a little bit later on in the show. So all that is going down uh, today, and uh, we'll also have a pirate report with some comments from the ODU coach. So let's get right into it uh, here very quickly. Uh, we've got uh, the game we mentioned, Rose and Southwest Onslow. Locking up tonight, let's run through some of the other games that are on the slate. Conley dealt their first loss of the season last week. Tonight, they're at Northern Nash. New school, Willow Spring, will take on South Central. JP2 announced this week a move to 11-man football, and they will host Wayne Christian tonight, will John Paul II. Farmville Central will take on Swansboro tonight. Betting Field at Aiden Grifton. Elsewhere, New Bern making a trip to Maury, Virginia to play a non-conference game. Havelock on our sister station. Groovin' 94-1 WNBU at West Craven tonight. Elsewhere, Southwest Edgecombe at Tarboro. Richlands will host South Lador. Goldsboro at Rocky Mount. Green Central, impressive start for them. They're at Eastern Wayne. West Carteret will host Jacksonville after an off week. White Oak at East Carteret. We got Beargrass Charter playing host to Faith Christian tonight. Columbia at Hobgood Charter. Bertie at First Flight. Northside Pinetown will take on South Creek. Gates County hosting Camden County. Perquimans at Portsmouth Christian. Lewisburg will play host to Washington County. Kinston at Pamlico County. North Duplin plays host to the Lejeune Devil Pups. Pender at Wallace Rose Hill. Croatan at East Duplin. North Lenore at Southern Wayne. Also tonight, Dixon at Trask. Northside Jacksonville after that tragedy last week. Back on the field tonight, taking on the always tough Clinton Dark Horses. Halifax Academy paying a visit to Kenson and my alma mater, Parrot Academy. First Friday night home game for the Patriots. You can hear Holmes High School tonight on 103.7 WTIB Is they host Northview out of Virginia. Currituck at Lake Taylor, Virginia. Word of God will play host to Mesquite. That's a 730 kick in a game that's going on right now. Pungo Christian taking on Community Christian. So that's the high school slate tonight. Philip the Ref Pilkington will have more as will uh, Ben Byram coming up. A little bit later on in the show, the 94.3 The Game Sports Update. Give you our schedule for tomorrow. We'll be on the air at 3 o'clock right here on 94.3 The Game with the often imitated, never once duplicated, award-winning, fastest two hours in radio, Pirate Game Day Countdown. I'll be uh, outside the Town Bank Tower at our Fort Game Day 2.0 as we uh, will bring you pregame coverage, unprecedented uh, out there of East Carolina and Old Dominion. Terrence Copper, the uh, NFL veteran and ECU all-time great, Ro- Washington Pampack legend, will be with me on the call of uh, the pregame festivities. And our cast of dozens will have uh, pregame excitement for you uh, tomorrow. And then 5 o'clock uh, tomorrow, 94.3 The Game, will be joined by other stations up and down the network, including our 100,000-watt flagship, flame-throwing home for ECU Athletics, 107.9 WNCT. We'll have the East Carolina Sports Properties coverage of the radio network from Playfly Sports. That'll be exciting for you tomorrow uh, as uh, we'll have a 5 o'clock pregame. I'll be heard on that. Jeff Charles. Uh, we've got uh, Greenville native Rose alum, ECU alum, Kevin Monroe, Marty Fjord, David Horn, and uh, we'll get you ready for ECU and uh, Old Dominion. Then the game at 6 o'clock across our network, and uh, I'll be giving updates of scores from around college football tomorrow night and then uh, wrap it up with our post-game report uh, immediately following uh, coverage. So that'll be how we'll uh, line it up for you tomorrow. Hopefully the Pirates can even the slate at 1-1 one and one and send Old Dominion Two, one, and one. We're going to talk about that game next. My good friend and colleague, Jay Sonhalter, who will be on the call for ESPN Plus on the Pirates and their uh, second game of the season against ODU. Sonny's thoughts when we return. It's the Get You to the Game weekend edition of the Patrick Johnson Show, and it rolls on here. Uh, We go now to the phone lines where a man in transit is uh, on uh, on the horn. IBX Media alum, ECU football alum, current college football analyst for ESPN, and the Friday Night Rivals series for Sinclair Broadcasting in the Triangle, the one and only, my good friend, Jay Sonny Sunholder on the line with us here. He's back on the Patrick Johnson Show.
1: Patrick, my brother, so good to be with you. And you said I'm in transit. I am driving the speed limit right now. So <laughs> they, haven't, they, haven't caught, they haven't caught me yet. But I'll let you know through our conversation Let's if I see any lights behind me.
0: Let's be fair. And the times that we've been up and down the roads together, which have been a lot, I have never been ticketed while we've been in the car together and I was behind, I was the wheel man, right?
1: Well, I've gotten
0: my fair share of tickets
1: as well. So. Oh, okay. Well, you you haven't you haven't have while we've been together.
0: Now I'm surprised you have because you drive uh, like an elderly <laughs> grandmother. But that's okay. That's okay. I think you've slowed down. I I still have the need for speed. Unfortunately. Um, all right. So we got Sonny with us here. Uh, he will be on tomorrow on ESPN Plus as the analyst alongside Sean Kenny for uh, coverage of uh, ECU and Old Dominion so uh, I know you're excited to come back you were uh, on a big ten a big 12 assignment last week so uh, that was cool for you I'm sure congratulations on that uh, Mike Houston goes for his 95th career win tomorrow as a college uh, coach uh, against an old Dominion team that has won uh, seven in a row if I'm not mistaken dating back to last year so uh, this is uh, this is going to be pretty interesting the monarchs and the Pirates
1: yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a great game. I mean, with East Carolina, you know, coming off of a, the tough game on Saturday, there were so many positives and the way they played, I mean, for pirate fans, you've gotta be so proud with how hard they played, how how much intensity and just how disciplined they look out in the field and there's so many bright spots in that game. But then going against Old Dominion, I mean they on Friday night they beat Virginia Tech, so it's a rivalry game for for them, and and they found a way to beat Virginia Tech in a physical game up there. So I think it's going to be a really interesting game, and I think there's a lot of talented players on both sides.
0: You know, I found it uh, really interesting this week, some of the comments uh, that were made from uh, Old Dominion coach uh, Ricky Ronnie about, uh, you know, where both teams were after week one. And as you know, Jay, you're never as high as you, you, you think you are. You're never as low as you think you are. Um, unless Scotty Moe's coach. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I mean, um, so, you know, I kind of look at it like um, the Old Dominion has to kind of come back to earth because they've, you know, went against Virginia Tech, which is a huge deal for their program. They've got Virginia coming up. You know, Denny O'Brien would used to say, trap game. But, the, you know, I don't think this is a trap game because it's a close-by game. But I, I, I think what it is is, you know, the, um, being able to, to maintain that emotional edge if you're Old Dominion. Uh, so let's start there, and then I want to pick up on the other half of his comments. So, I mean, that, that to me would seem like to be one of the, I don't know if you'd call it a challenge, but one of the things that Old Dominion has to be cognizant of in this in this game, and their coaching staff does.
1: Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, I, I just kind of remember back when I was playing, you know, the, the, how tough it can be after you have a huge win, I mean, it's real because it's tough the next week in practice because you got to kind of make sure you humble yourself and really watch the film and get back to work and make sure you improve. And, of course, you kind of have that confidence momentum, but you don't want to take it to where, you know, you're not really looking at the truth of the film. And with ODU, I mean, it was a big win, and they showed a lot of bright spots. But I mean, for both teams, there's a lot of things they need to improve on, a lot of things they need to fix. And that's what the key is in this game. It's not really what happened in week one. It's how do you improve? How do you handle the week of preparation to make sure you get better? And you had that first kind of test last week, but now it's on to a whole different test. And what you did in that first game doesn't really matter now. I mean, you've got to make sure you play the same way, but also improve. And so I think that's going to be the challenge for ODU is, you know, coming off a huge win, making sure they have that confidence, but also – Realizing there's a lot of plays they left out on the field,
0: Sonny. Let me ask you this: uh, as far as what Coach Ronnie talked about, ECU emotional loss at home. Pirates uh, need to, in many ways, match the emotional level and the intensity they brought last week tomorrow.
1: Yeah, and I mean you you look at you, know, you look at that game, and and after the ball game, you know, how do you regroup? How do you get back? Up after you invested so much in the NC State game, you've got to you've got to flip the page. You've got to you know regroup, and again you know, learn learn from the mistakes in the game, but also realize hey there are a lot of positives. But make sure this week in preparation that everything is flushed out from last week, whether it's a win or loss, and that this is a new game with new challenges and new personnel you're playing. But that's tough. I mean, when you have a tough defeat, you know, going back to when I played. It's tough. Sometimes it lingers with you. But the teams, you know, that stay consistent are the ones that, you know, find ways to regroup after a loss and regroup after a big win. And and that's the challenge for East Carolina. But I believe both of these teams, you know, knowing these coaches, they're disciplined, very well-coached teams. I believe both sides, even though they each face different challenges from week one and coming into this week. I think both sides are going to be even keel and consistent.
0: Jay, Sonny Sunhalder is on the line uh, with us here. We're getting ready for uh, Pirate Football tomorrow as uh, Jay Sunhalder is uh, out and about on the roadway somewhere. Sonny and I are just a little bit away from uh, calling the action tonight uh, in a really interesting game uh, in the Triangle area, as we'll have uh, for the uh, Sinclair folks uh, and their sports uh, group Friday night rivals. I really wish they'd established that in the East. Uh, maybe they will at some point on uh, Channel 12's uh, group of stations, since they're Sinclair owned. But uh, anyway, um, should be a good uh, game tonight. We're calling. I'm looking forward to it. Cardinal Gibbons and Wake Forest, two perennial powers. And uh, you, look, you got to carry me tonight, so I'll try not. To, I'll try to, uh, you know, help you out a little because you got to carry me and you got back-to-back games and I you know I don't want you to wear down so
1: I'll you're, you're the leader we all know that
0: hardly hardly um so Jay is doing that tonight and then tomorrow uh, tomorrow afternoon or evening uh, ECU and old Dominion uh who who stood out to you in the pirate performance against NC state any particular players I know you're particularly impressed with the defense so I'll just kind of let you have the open Uh, Forum there and and talk about what you liked, what you saw from ECU.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say the whole defense impressed me. I mean, everybody talked about the goal line, the two goal line stands. There were numerous guys that made plays on those two possessions. But I mean, when you really look at it, I mean, they had the one punt return. The defense only gave up 14 points to NC State, who has a draft, you know, a top four round quarterback and a lot of pro-, pro prospects on their offense. So I, I would say the number one thing, the huge takeaway, was was how good the defense played as a whole. Um, and then looking over at the offensive side, I mean, I thought the offensive line was much improved. I thought the passing game, you look at the new wide receivers and C.J. Johnson, they looked impressive to me. And then the running game, you know, maybe didn't get the amount of carries that we'll see throughout the season because of how NC State was playing them. But I thought between Holton, you know, having those draw plays where he took off and ran, that was a huge benefit to the offense. And then Keaton and Rajay, I mean, they're going to have bigger games throughout. But I think overall, I mean, you look at position groups and there was a lot of position groups that stood out. But I think one in transfer – that I would say that that impressed me with Isaiah Wins, that I think with his height being 6'4 and his speed, I think he's going to have a big year.
0: The great Jay Sonny Sunholder is on the line with us here. He'll be on ESPN Plus tomorrow night calling ECU Old Dominion. Uh, Sonny, I, I, we'll get into the Old Dominion personnel, but I wanted to come at you with a couple of things on the ECU side. Obviously, Owen Daffer last year hits the – the, the, the all-time kick, long kick to, to beat Navy. He won a game for the Pirates, you could argue, with the great onside kick at uh, uh, Marshall. That was a win that kind of early season turned the year around for the Pirates. So he's done some things that have won games, but such is the life of a kicker. He obviously had uh, a, a missed PAT and then the missed field goal at the end of the uh, NC State game last week. Uh, I think back to Ben Hartman, who was a hero in your last ever game played in the Pirate uniform. But you know, Ben missed some kicks subsequently in his career, unfortunately, in big moments. And and I know for him that was a tough thing, uh, emotionally and psychologically, to deal with. Um, so you know, I, I again, I, and and I, you know, I don't know how much of this you guys could get into on the telecast. It's unfortunate, the reaction on social media and on message boards and in other forums, what grown adults who aren't acting like it are saying about Owen Daffer and the threats and all. It's just, it's its ridiculous. Uh, but let's stick to the on-the-field side of this for Daffer. Because, you, again, you've played with guys, you've played with kickers. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it is, uh, it's a tough life kicking that football, is it not?
1: Yeah, yeah it is it's just, I, I feel really bad for him because he's a great player, but he's a great kid and he's a kid. And, you know, I know there's so many great fans that have been there to, to support him, you know, in a, in a tough time for him after the ball game, but the, you know, the, the ones that are doing bad things, you know, that's uncalled for and shame on them. Um, and, you know, and for, for Owen, you know, I just hope that, you know, he, he goes out there and he can regroup and, and know, know that he's a great player and, you know, have confidence when he gets his opportunities throughout the year because he won games last year for the Pirates and he's going to have more opportunities. And you, just, you just hope that he's okay because I know it's, it's tough because as a player, you know, whether you're a kicker or any position, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. And, and you know I, know, I know the coaching staff and the players are all there for him, but this is an opportunity for the team to really band together and so you know you win you win games as a team you lose games as a team but to really band together and build camaraderie you know with 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 someone that's going through a lot um you know in, in that ball game and and really be there for him and support him so you know tough situation but you got to make the most of it and i believe owen will and i believe the team will you know be there to support him
0: i don't want to uh besmirch the efforts of your brethren in the uh, color commentator analyst role. But you have been watching Holton Aylers play longer than the five years at ECU. We called Rose Conley games uh, for the radio station, so we've seen a lot of Holton Ehlers over the years as, as a young athlete. So I think you have kind of a unique perspective, and, and it goes beyond the talking points of hometown hero and, and what have you. And, again, I'm not trying to besmirch anybody, anybody's work on this, but you've seen a lot of Holton Naylor's football games, uh, as much as anybody in this role that you're, you're in, you know, coming into tomorrow night. Uh, Holton had a couple of interceptions. I didn't realize this until uh, the stat appeared, but he has the most multi-pick games uh, since 2018, or at least ECU has the most. Uh, with Aylers with at quarterback, of, of course, for the good majority of those. Um, what did you see out of Holton Aylers' game? Because in the fourth quarter, I think we saw the really great version of Holton, and he was taking advantage, clearly, of what State was giving him. Didn't get sacked, didn't have a running game to really rely on. So, I mean, I, th- I think his day was a little bit of a mixed bag, but what did you see?
1: Well, I think, you know, you look at the fourth quarter, in any quarterback that you're kind of evaluating – you look and see how they respond, whether it's off to a great start or, you know, a tough start. How do they respond? How do they stay in the game? How do they play in the fourth quarter when your team really needs you? And Olsen made plays and the offense made plays. So that really impressed me. Then you add on the fact that, you know, he had the shoulder situation earlier on in the ball game. And the toughness to come back from that stay in the ball game is huge. So you look at, quarterbacks, I look at how you play in the fourth quarter in your leadership and for me very impressed with both of those and I think the thing also that separates him is his running ability. I mean, he's got a little bit of Tebow in him where he's a big kid and he can run and I think that really changes the offense for the Pirates when he can run. Now, he's a talented guy and you know he's had so much success from all the way to high school and growing up in the ECU here. The thing for him is just to continue to trust and rely on his teammates, um, because you know first couple of years he didn't have the guys out wide, he didn't have the talent yeah. that this team has. Yeah. So maybe some of these, some of the throws, you know, some of the interceptions in, in that game, you look at those, you know, some in some situations when you're so talented, you try to maybe force something in there. Where a case says, you know with him, you've got so many playmakers. Sometimes a checkdown. Is a good play. You know, sometimes you do take a shot. So I think with this team, especially, you, know, you just have to know when to when to take your shots, when you know when to pull the ball down, when to throw it away. And I think that's something against NC State, who, who's a great defense. You know, you saw what they, our defense, East Carolina's did to Devin Leary. They put him in tough spots. NC State was blitzing every play, and of course, you're going to have shots that you can take advantage of that. But I mean. Whether a quarterback or running back or tight end or O lineman, if they're blitzing every play, that puts a lot of stress on you. And the coaching staff talked about the big plays that he made, and I thought there was a lot of plays that he made with pressure coming at him, and also you know tough situations that he was able to check out a play to make things happen to get away from the pressure of the Wolfpack.
0: Uh, Sonny, who stood out for you uh, on on the Old Dominion? Who should Pirate fans uh, be on the lookout for tomorrow evening?
1: well on the offensive side Allie jenning's the great wide receiver nfl type wide receiver their tight end Zach cook's 6 foot 8 tight end uh, that can run and they're going to move him throughout the the formation and try to find ways to get him the ball so those are their two threats from how wide and both of those guys are nfl guys the running back Blake watson rushed over a thousand year uh, a thousand yards excuse me last year and he's a really good player so on offense, they've got really good skill players. Dre um, Bly's son, um, mm-hmm. the NFL, yeah. NFL quarterback's son, is, is, is the third wide receiver there. So He's a really fast wide receiver, so that's another name to remember. But over on the defensive side, uh, they got really good players um, in a fast defense. I'd say they're linebackers. Ryan Henry, athletic player Jason Henderson, had 18 tackles against Virginia Tech in the defensive end, Marcus Haynes. Those are the guys that stand out on the defensive side.
0: All right, uh, Sonny, uh, what would you say the keys are to uh, the game tomorrow for both teams since you'll be uh, on the ESPN Plus neutral site broadcast announced uh, team?
1: Well, yeah, for East Carolina, I think it's protecting the football. And if you're a Pirate fan, you look at the defense, you think the Pirates are going to play that same consistent defense. Well, can you protect the ball, and then and then special teams? There were some, you know, some errors there on the special teams side. Cleaning up that area. So special teams and turnovers over for Old Dominion. They're going to have to find a way to get the pass game going. Hayden Wolf had some troubles against Virginia Tech and got it going in the fourth quarter, but they've got to be able to hit some big plays through the air. And then over on the defensive side, I, I think, you know, for Old Dominion. East Carolina can run the ball. Now, they didn't They didn't have the success because NC State was loaded in the box, but Old Dominion is going to have to stop the run. They, they can't give East Carolina a two-way go with the play-action pass, so stop the run for the Monarchs and then big plays in the passing game.
0: Hey, I uh, hope we get a chance to uh, see you tomorrow. I'll see you in a few hours or a few minutes or an hour, whatever the hell it is. We'll see you a little bit. <laughs> I'll see you in a little bit here uh, as Jay and I will be on the call of a dandy of a game. Uh, through uh, the folks at MyRDC and Sinclair in the Triangle. You can uh, go to their website, uh, MyRDC.com, and watch uh, Sonny Sunholder tune up for ECU and Old Dominion with uh, yours truly tomorrow uh, night uh, or tonight. Uh, tune up for the game tomorrow night. I don't know what day it is. I don't know where we're going. I just know I'll be wheeled in and Sonny will carry me through the broadcast tonight. That'll be how it works. All right. Uh, hey, Jay, thanks for taking a few minutes. See you in a little bit, and uh, look. hey, congratulations. Uh, Real happy that uh, you're uh, getting some run here at the beginning of the season for the uh, worldwide leader, and uh, got a chance to go out to Kansas last week, and we will be in uh, Pirate Nation the next couple weeks.
1: Well, thank you so much, brother, and you're the leader on these broadcasts, so can't wait to be with you tonight and continued success to you as well.
0: There he goes, Jay, Sonny, Sunholder and stay tuned. We'll have more on all kinds of uh, things around college football and uh, the game from last week, the game tomorrow. Doug Martin will join us in a little bit, but that is after you catch this 94.3 The Game sports update. Friday on the Patrick Johnson Show, Doug Martin joining us. Coach Martin. Back on the uh, program, we've twisted his arm, we've conned him, we've got him away from the water long enough to uh, talk some ball. Coach, how are you?
2: I'm good, Patrick. How you doing? Doing well. I
0: want to hear about the tailgating at Wake Forest. Now, it uh, was oh. at Wake Forest. It did. It was at Wake yeah. Forest, but I mean, still it was a tailgate. I think that was a good one to sort of break you in for the rest of the season. So uh, how did all of it go?
2: Yeah, I think that's kind of like preparing for the season. You play the FCS game first and then you move up to like an <laughs> East Carolina tailgate. But so, yeah, it went good. The people there were just outstanding. We had a lot of fun. Uh, you know, probably a little bit more of a wine and cheese crowd than you get at East Carolina. You get the true football tailgate. But, uh, but it was fun. Wake Forest played really well and it was a good game. You enjoyed watching it and got to see my son, the grandkids. So it was all good.
0: What was your favorite, uh, you know, sort of, part of the tailgate from a food perspective or maybe a drink perspective. I mean, that, cause that's, you know, part of the fun.
2: You know what? I, the, the food was phenomenal. The burgers and stuff we had, but I think it was just that being at a college football game and not having a migraine headache because you got to call plays <laughs> for the next three hours, <laughs> you know, being able to, and then walking away from the game without a headache. That yeah. was even better. Yeah. Well, the no tailgaters
0: way. usually have a headache the next day. That's that's yeah, usually a, not, not from the <laughs> game. right? <laughs> uh so uh doug martin is is with us here I, I you know it was interesting i got a text from you uh after the uh ecu state game and a lot of what you said before kind of came to fruition red zone and uh you know the uh, uh the points and all of that so let's just uh let's let's get into that one before we talk a little about uh ecu and odu what what did you think of uh the narrow loss i tell yeah, you what I- college kickers i don't think there's a tougher deal than those poor college kickers is there
2: you know the, there's not and and the way practices have changed where you don't get many live practices that really it impacts your special teams too because you're not getting a lot of live special team work and um so maybe you know, my heart just went out that young man but he'll make a lot down the stretch here but you know i thought the things we did talk about were were key the red zone in particular you I mean, said that ecu's defense had to play great red zone defense and holding the field goals well they did even better they the ball away from them on the one yard line with a fumble and held them on downs, which is just like having another turnover. So twice NC State got no points, which was huge. Um, and I think East Carolina, we talked about they needed some short fields, you know, to to help them get to the red zone and score. And they really didn't get that, Patrick, until the end of the game. You know, they, they had poor field position. The whole game yeah. seemed like backed up, and you know I've been in those type of games. It's really hard to call plays when you're backed up in your own end zone. You got to go 80, 90 yards. That's tough. But you know the last two drives of the game, they got short fields, and both of them, you know, one of them produced a touchdown, and one of them, uh, you know, they had the field goal that unfortunately they missed. But I thought those were the biggest things. And you know, Coach Logan told me when when I took over as being the coordinator at East Carolina, he he told me he said, you know, you're not going to win many games with play calling but you can lose one in a heartbeat, mm-hmm. and that is absolutely true, and that's what keeps offensive coordinators up at night, and I'm going to tell you what, NC State, they almost lost that game because of that. You know, I thought down the goal line, particularly the second time, uh, you know, being that hard-headed and trying to run the ball in three, four plays, you know, that just didn't have much creativity there, and then to me, the last drive where they had the one-point lead and three minutes left in the game they needed to run the clock out, they played so conservative. And with that quarterback, you've got to call plays. You've got to let that guy play and get some first downs and keep that ball and run it out, and they didn't do that. So I really thought you know they kind of handled those situations poorly, and I thought East Carolina played their hearts out. Uh,
0: Pirates, by the way, two for two in the red zone. State was one for three just to uh, uh, kind of uh, accentuate the point that uh, Coach Martin was making. Doug Martin uh, with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. What did you see that you liked from Holt Nailers?
2: Well, I'll tell you one thing, just physically, he is one of the toughest kids around. You know, he banged his shoulder up there a little bit and kept running the ball when he needed to there at the end of the game, had the run that set him up for the field goal. Um, He he just showed a lot of heart. And uh, like I say, I know he was banged up. Uh, I thought he handled the pressures really well that NC State brought. Um, You know, again, being backed up like they were, I think it limited how many shots he was able to take and what they were able to do offensively, but, uh, that was a good start for him. You know, we talked about him throwing more touchdown passes this year and he threw two yeah. in that game, I believe that, you know, was a good start and he needs to just keep building on that.
0: What did you notice on the interceptions?
2: Uh, you know, you talk about for Holt, whole, yeah.
0: For, for Aylers, yeah,
2: Yeah. You know, some of those are just going to happen. You know, one of them was a fade ball, you know, where it's a 50, 50 deal. And you know, that, that just happens. Uh, you don't know what he was seeing or what, you know, if a receiver ran the wrong route or maybe right. he made a wrong adjustment, those type of things. So without knowing any of that, I'd hate to judge anything on that. But neither one of those interceptions he had hurt them. You know, NC State didn't get points off either one of those.
0: We've got uh, Coach Doug Martin uh, with us, uh, ECU offensive coordinator under Steve Logan, and then coached uh, New Mexico State and Kent State and is uh, now living the good life at the Crystal Coast, fishing, and just talking to me about football when uh, when I twist his arm and we get him to, to come on uh, <laughs> on the radio with us here. Hey, uh, Devin Leary, obviously ACC Preseason Player of the Year. What did you think of Devin Leary? What, what Kind of what stood out? What would you like about Devin Leary for State?
2: Well, you can obviously see he's got physical talent. I mean, he's got a strong arm and all those type of things. But, man, he just looked like he was off his game all day. And a lot of that had to do with East Carolina. You know, they were able to get pressure. Um, they were able to get in his face a little bit. You know, and, again, I just felt like, North Carolina State was so conservative in the game plan that they really didn't give him an opportunity to open things up and, and do maybe what he's capable of doing. It was really a you know, kind of a hard game to watch from that standpoint of getting their beat on how good he can really be. But that certainly was not the start that he'd like. I just felt like, you know, he didn't get off to a good start and then his confidence kind of ran, waned. And, you know, sometimes quarterbacks just are not seeing the field very well for whatever reason. And when that happens, you've got to give them some easy throws to get them back in tempo, maybe get it into empty set and give them some more options. And I just never saw NC State doing any t- uh, type of that stuff and uh, just felt like he was really off balance all day.
0: So uh, you, you mentioned State gets it down, in that, and there were a couple of those goal line stands for the Pirates. But, you know, one, especially the, the one late, it just logically makes sense to me, go ahead and kick it, and you're up 10 at that point. Florida State, kind of the same thing happened in the game with LSU, and then it takes an extra point being missed for the Noles to win. Is that sort of the new thing now in college football that – because ECU went for it on fourth down a lot last year. That it, it just, I mean, what, what are coaches maybe looking at there? And, and I know some of it is, especially these goal line situations, maybe yeah. you're trying to make a statement or a point. I mean, heck, ECU lost a game at NC State like that uh, f- several years ago uh, trying to – instead of kicking it, go for it uh, on, on fourth down in a goal situation and we're stuffed. But are they looking – do the numbers tell you fourth down can be a productive down? I, I mean, it, just take us into the coaching side of, of that, generally speaking.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, if I would have kicked the field goal there to make it a two-score game. I just felt that would have been the thing to do. I think maybe their ego got a hold of them there, and you know, just the moment. those type of things sometimes it's a feel. sometimes as a coach you just have a really good feel for how your offense is doing you're confident you can get it in maybe you've just got a really good series of goal line plays that you really like Um, but that didn't seem to be the case for NC State so I, I really thought that was a mistake not kicking the field goal number one and then number two the play selection I just you know no play action pass none of that type of stuff you know down there uh, that could be effective. And and even at the end of the game, like we were talking about, where they had the ball with the one-point lead, that is a p- optimum place for play-action pass because East Carolina has got to sell out to stop the run yeah. at that point. Yeah. First down there is made for a little naked or boot, something like that, just to get you going and get a good uh, gain on first down so you can get the, the downs going. And, you know, they didn't have any of that. So, uh, yeah, kind of suspect on those areas.
0: Uh, We've got Doug Martin on the uh, horn with us here for uh, this uh, Football Friday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. So Old Dominion comes in, ODU's uh, won six last year, have won seven in a row since, dating back to last season. Uh, And, uh, you know, you look at what they have done, it's kind of interesting. They are uh, uh, a program that went from, I think, one win to not playing in the COVID year to a bowl game. I don't think anything like that's ever been done uh, before. So they've got a young coaching staff, got a great receiver, Dre Bly's kids on the on the roster. Uh, they got a huge tight end. Uh, and they're coming off a win against Virginia Tech. And you could argue how good Virginia Tech is or isn't, what kind of shape their program is in. But I, I get the Old Dominion passion with that win. I mean, that's a big win for the Old Dominion program over Virginia Tech.
2: It is, even if Virginia Tech's not the old Virginia Tech, that's still a, a power conference win, and that was a good win for them. I, I thought, you know, they're interesting uh, in the, the way they play defense. They are very much a pressure-oriented defense, feast or famine. And it's always my experience when you play those teams, one or two things, you're either going to make them look really bad or they're going to make you struggle during the day. Uh, old Dominion does a great job of disguise with their pressures. It's the old sucker punch thing. You know, they'll make you look over here, look over here, and then the blitz comes from the other side. So I think that's what, you know, East Carolina's got to be really adapted to. And um, I think they got to do a nice job with their snap count. East Carolina does. And you have some good first down plays, get it snapped before they can get that blitz set up or do the look package. You know, you go through the snap count and look to the sideline, let them give you a call to beat the blitz. Um, but that's going to go on all day because they're going to pressure all day long. That's, that's kind of who they are. I, I don't think... ODU is good enough throwing the ball mm-hmm. to beat East Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think East Carolina's got a phenomenal defense. And mm-hmm. I think if they can make them play left-handed and make them throw the ball, uh, they'll struggle against ECU.
0: We've since learned uh, that, and, and uh, you're at the weight game, your son's on staff there. We've since learned that Sam Hartman had a blood clot issue. He's, he's now cleared to play. Uh, how much do you... And, and and I'm not trying to put you to spot here, if if you know anything or or not, but just from the stints of a sense of somebody coming back from something that serious, but he's obviously a, a productive and winning quarterback. Do you ease him back theoretically, or I mean, what what's what would what would be the kind of your modus operandi if you had a quarterback that was of that ability that was coming back?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's how much practice time he's had will be the factor on that, and and I'm not really sure exactly how much practice he's been in the last two weeks. Uh, I know he's been doing quite a few things, waiting to get cleared, so if he's been getting a lot of practice time, I'd feel okay about putting him in the game at Vanderbilt, and, mm-hmm. uh, but again, you're playing an SEC team. That's that's still, you know, not a optimum place to get the rust knocked off of him, so you better have the backup kid ready to play, too, uh, but I do think this bodes well for Wake Forest to get him back and They've got them, and I think they have Liberty, and then Clemson. So that Clemson game is conference game. That's the big one. They've got to get well, up to. So this gives them yeah, time to get ready. You know, and and know. Liberty
0: before that is no slouch. So I mean, that's right. yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Hey, uh, we, it's been a week. We really haven't talked about this, but last week, uh, the decision made to expand the college football playoff. I guess there's still a possibility it could happen as soon as 24, but 26 seems to be the uh, the 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 time on that. Uh, give me your thoughts on, on expanding the playoff. Because, look, you know, the I, the argument I, is, look what Georgia did to Oregon, the supposed number 11 team. Now, that's a preseason poll. But, uh, you know, the, I mean, it, it, just your thoughts on it.
2: Well, I, I agree with expanding the, the college football playoff, give more teams opportunity. I just hate the way they're doing it again. They're still – it's all set up for the power conference. You know, like – I saw an article. They looked back to last year and what teams would have been in if this model would have been in play. Well, Louisiana Lafayette was thirteen and one and were conference champions, and they would not get in. And you know, Utah was ten and three, and they would be in the college football playoff. You know that that to me, if you're a conference champion, you should be in the playoff. I I believe. Yeah. I, I just think that's rewarding a conference and rewarding kids and. It's the right thing to do. So I, I, I think that part of it's still suspect. And the big thing, really, this was the answer to the sec and the big 10 expanding the way they did that sent shockwaves through college football. And they were seeing those two conferences getting ready to monopolize, you know, the championships and those type of things. And that's really, I think the driving force of why this expansion happened so quickly right after that. Um, So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's, I'm glad they're going more teams. I just wish still there was an avenue for the group of five to get in there.
0: You know, uh, I've got uh, later on uh, tonight a, uh, a game that Jay Sunalder and Jay's commentating on the ECU game for ESPN Plus. We talked to him earlier in the show, uh, but we've got a game where uh, two really good high school programs, Cardinal Gibbons out of Raleigh, Wake Forest, who's won state titles in recent years are playing. And, you know, when you talk to high school coaches for anticipation of those games or other programs that are, you know, pretty good, but maybe more on the smallest side, and you ask them about really good players, they're saying, well, you know, we don't we don't see a whole lot of college scouts or, co- or coaches come by anymore, mm-hmm. like maybe you did at one time. Um, so, you know, with the way, and you wanted to talk a little bit about this, and and I think it's something that parents and and coaches even ought to be aware of the transfer rule now in in college football is going to I mean it you're going to be pretty darn special to get recruited now where maybe a guy might get a look get into a program and then you build him up and by the time he's a, a third or fourth year guy you see in the field for you those days may be gone for a, a while I hope not for good though
2: there there are definitely less opportunities for high school players now and I think it's one of the underlying things of the transfer rule that they never considered when they put that rule in place, because so many teams are recruiting right out of the transfer portal. You need to have 25 scholarships to give if you've got a full load to give that year. And probably eight, nine of them are coming out of the transfer portal for just about everybody now. That's eight or nine high school players that didn't get scholarships now. And I I think it's a really shame, you know, where are they going to go? Are they going to go to junior college to try to get opportunity to, uh, you know do they go division two fcs whatever it is yeah uh, but it, it's a shame that that's gone that way i really believe because it, it's i think it's hurting high school football um uh, you know high school football is the great feeder for college football and you're kind of losing that and uh yeah i think it's a shame
0: hey coach good to talk to you really appreciate it and uh we may see you tomorrow maybe
2: we'll see I hope so yeah we'll see I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there and no telling who else, but I'm going to be there to tailgate with the pirates and have some fun doing that.
0: All right. Now look, this is not a wake forest tailgate. I just want
2: you to know. <laughs> you got to take your ankles for this
0: one, right? You're ready to go. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, coach Martin. Thanks a lot. All right, Patrick. Thank you. Awesome to have Doug Martin on with us. I forgot to mention this yesterday. Uh, a belated happy birthday to my mom, Debbie Johnson listens to the show when she can every day. Not today, she's at the beach. Uh, But if not for Mama Johnson, I wouldn't be here. So, uh, entertaining you on a Friday. The get you to the weekend uh, on a a game weekend for the Pirates Football Friday edition of the PJ Show. Date night in America. Whatever you want to say on this uh, Friday, we made it. And we have for you a pirate report to send you into the weekend, so don't you dare go away. 1-0 1-0 and o, Old Dominion making their way to Daddy Ficklin Stadium tomorrow, and their coach is uh, Ricky Ronnie, who is seven and is seven 7-7 all-time uh, as the coach of the Monarchs. You know, he took over a program that won one game, and then they didn't even play in 2020 because of COVID. Came back last year, really bad start, and then went to the Myrtle Beach Bowl, for what that's worth, and beat Virginia Tech last week, so... That's the old Dominion story as they come in on our Pirate Report today. Uh, we'll hear from Coach Ronnie, who says uh, earlier in the week that once his players saw the film on ECU, they had better realize that they're going to be in a fight
3: this week in Greenville. Yeah, again, the film. Once once they all start watching film today of East Carolina, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna quickly realize that we better be focused on what we're gonna do this week because it's a good football team. Um, there's challenges on both sides of the ball. The quarter we're about to play for ECU is a really really uh, special player um, on, on the defensive side they play a great scheme and they've got some great players, they play with great passion and, and, and they run and hit uh, so yeah I, I think uh, our guys are going to come in watch, watch some film today especially since there's no school um, and, and once they see that it, that, that one and oh mentality tends to uh, click in a little bit better.
0: Shout out By the way, to my guy, David Hall, who is uh, in uh, town covering the uh, Monarchs for the Virginian uh, pilot. So uh, shout out to my guy, David Hall, there uh, in town. Back. He used to cover uh, East Carolina many, many uh, moons ago and was uh, appearing on our pregame show. So I hope to see David tomorrow. Well, this week, Coach Ronnie says, uh, will be about who could put last week behind them for both the Pirates and the Monarchs.
3: Yeah, I mean, 1-0 goes both ways, right? I mean, they're going to need to be able to overcome that from from that pain too. You can't, you know, people talk about being able to get fuel from pain and that sort of stuff. It, it can also be a burden, you know, and so you don't want to just sit there and, and allow that to happen. So I think it's going to be um, one of the factors in the game is who can um, – Play with passion, but eliminate any leftover and lingering emotion from that game as soon as humanly possible. Because you can't—I mean, that that'll just be like a piano on both of the team's backs. Um, so I think that that'll be a huge, a huge factor in this game.
0: The Old Dominion perspective today on our Pirate report. This was Coach Ronnie when asked how uh, the team can
3: build on last week. Uh, The film. I mean, you just watch the film, and you can see a lot of different things that uh, we can see to get better. Um, know obviously we didn't we didn't play our best football in some areas uh so we've got to improve there but even some other areas that may not be so um obvious to the naked eye we we were able to point out some deficiencies that we had that we needed to get better at so I think the film doesn't lie and and you know we know our we've got to get better and and our guys um who'd already watched the tape by the time that we watched it with them they, they they knew that uh that they needed to play better across the board.
0: The eye in the sky does not lie, undoubtedly so. Okay, so big thanks today to Jay Sonny Sonholder for uh, being with us. Sonny will be on the call of ESPN Plus's uh, commentary of ECU and Old Dominion tomorrow. Sonny and I are working together here uh, in, uh, well, just a little bit for uh, uh, the uh, folks for Sinclair in the Triangle and their Friday night rivals, Telecast. Oh, uh, we'll have a uh, really good game, Wake Forest and Cardinal Gibbons. So uh, head over to my uh online, and you can watch uh, that game and uh, get, a, get a flavor for Sonny and I together. Together again, Jay Sunhalder and I. We can't uh, get separated from one another. All right, uh, and then also thanks to Doug Martin, who will be in the Hizzle tomorrow. He might have someone else with him, a very special guest in ECU uh, history at the tailgates tomorrow. That's all I'm going to say. Sworn to secrecy. Uh, Big thanks to Philip, uh, the ref Pilkington, Chris Cook, intern Dom, Mississippi, also one of our great interns, and, of course, Ben Byram for all of uh, his hard work as well. We'll greet you tomorrow uh, for Pirate coverage. The uh, Bush Light Pirate Game Day countdown commencing at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Yield to the network at 5, and uh, you can check out the gang, including myself, on there. I'll wrap it all up with the post-game show on Saturday night. Uh, if you are uh, unable to listen or attend this weekend, but you'll be back with us next week, we'll be back Monday, full week of shows next week, 5 o'clock, recap of all the football from the weekend. We'll have Jim Zoki again next week. We'll have more, of course, with uh, Coach uh, Martin next week and a lot of other great guests, Mike Houston, on Tuesday. So it'll be a huge, huge week, and we're looking forward to bringing it to you 5 o'clock, as we do every day here on The Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, Go Pirates tomorrow and have a great and safe weekend. See you tomorrow at 3, Monday morning on Talk of the Town, and then right back here, 5 o'clock Monday for The Patrick Johnson Show.